The Bible says to beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. And the leaven of the Sadducees is rationalism. And rationalism is the opposite of what we're called to, which is faith. Rationalism is it can't be done. Rationalism, like Abraham and Sarah, would never have embraced the idea that they could be the mother and father of many nations. Rationalism would prevent Peter from stepping out of the boat and walking on water. Rationalism would have prevented all of us from turning to Christ because what's the point? What, if, we don't, if we rationalize our way out of it like the Sadducees did, while Jesus was doing miracles and preaching simple and essential and yet amazing truths, they were being dismissive. They were being overly analytical. And uh, so God has actually called us to beware of the leaven of the Sadducees in order that we don't just lean on our own understanding, but we actually embrace the fact that God is factual and he's authentic and he's so good. God demonstrated his love toward us. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. I repeat, shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That is the most thunderous, wonderful gift wrap present to the human race that ever has been or ever will be. Never grow tired of it. Never take it for granted. Always be grateful. Renew your purpose to it. Because in fact, we're called to represent Jesus to this lost and dying world. To lead such engaging lives where this electromagnetic attraction takes place by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're called to invite people to the banquet, to the feast. And in fact, you know, I'll tell you what I sense in the church today. Life. I sense, uh, I, you know, when I had you guys greet one another, it got so loud, there was such laughter, there's so much joy. Even though, even though we're going through various struggles and trials, this is what I do appreciate about the church. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. It's unveiled, unpretentious. We don't have to put on veils anymore. This, this is real, full-on life that we're doing together for the glory of God. And I want to share five reasons why we should rejoice this next few days. That we should approach Christmas differently than maybe we ever have in the past few years. I want to take Christmas back from the hijacking of consumer-driven, overspending, pressure-filled meal preparation where not one, not five, but every pot and pan in our kitchen gets super epoxy stuck on it, where every dish is used, where every calorie is consumed, and then how do we burn it? Well, you got to come back to church to burn off the calories. But I want to just tell you a few things that I feel I, we need to be stirred up with and unwrap these gifts and, and take a, another look, not through the leaven of the Sadducees' rationalism, but let's, let's embrace this spirit with the spirit of faith, with the confidence that, that God has such a great thing established for us. Turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and we'll read this text and also Isaiah chapter 9. Chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, 
The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. Wow, that's a potent verse. That's very telling. It starts out with the Lord himself. Talks about how kind he is to give us a sign. That a virgin will be with child never before and ever since. And bear a son. And there will be a special description for him. She will call his name Emmanuel. Now, Emmanuel, L is God. Emmanuel, the word M, the, it's a prefix. It means before, besides, for all. In more than, in, more than, before, besides, for all. God, Jesus is, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is the eternal He's the most unique person who has ever been or ever will be. That's why he's worthy of our admiration. He's not just a good prophet or teacher. He's not just an interesting philosopher. He is all that, but he's much more. He's called Emmanuel. God is with us. Everybody say, he is here. God is with us. God is with us. For a child will be born to us. It says in Isaiah 9, 6, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. By the way, if you're an underliner, underline those and underline to us. Everybody say to us. This gift is for us. To us. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will rest on his shoulders. Hey, it sure is good to know Jesus' kingdom cannot be shaken. And he's got this all figured out. Can I hear an amen? And his name will be called. Everybody say wonderful counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. See, there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. There'll be no end to his increase. Listen, I only know big. I only know abundance. When Jesus birthed me into his family, all I knew was a movement of the Holy Spirit of lost, broken lives being reclaimed. Day by day, the Lord was adding to the church daily those who were being saved. I I am hardwired that when I saw Peter in the day of Pentecost preach, 3,000 were added to the church. That That doesn't rock my world. That just reminds me of how big our God is. The harvest is big, but our God is big. And he's here. He's here. He's here in terms we could understand. That's why I'm so grateful for the substance of communion. I'm grateful for for church because I would tend to isolate. I would tend to walk, well, uh, you know, you can be a Christian and you don't have to go to church. That's not true. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Love your neighbor. Love one another. Love God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And love yourself, by the way, is not egotism. It's love yourself is not like I am so awesome. I'm God's gift to the world. Uh, You know, pride or vanity. God's not, of course, not exhorting us toward that. But he is exhorting us away from fear and self-loathing. He is exhorting us away from diminishment that comes from the devil belittling us to the point where we don't ever want to put our sails up. Hey, put your sails up. The wind is blowing. You say, I'm hurting. Put your sails up anyway. 
You say, I've never been in those uncharted waters before. Put your sails up. Catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. Church started with a rushing mighty wind. Humanity started with God breathing into him the breath of life and Adam became a living soul. The church started when Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The rarefied air of heaven is upon us and available to us. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Every time you see a nativity scene, let it rock your world. That God, for some reason, in this, in this context of eternity, has chosen to do it this way. To demonstrate his own love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Let this resonate in your spirit when you feel so confused and you're yielding to the, 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 the leaven of the Sadducees where you're getting rational and trying to figure out how to cope and the devil's trying to tempt you to be dismissive rather than embracing of what God has for you. I know how that goes. I'm not spared the human condition. I deal with this like you do. I'm coming up out of the trenches. I just get to crawl up a few extra steps to communicate God's word to you in the hope that it will equip you, it will fortify you, it will impart some bravery in your spirit or actually stimulate the bravery that already exists in your spirit because you, the Bible says, are more than a conqueror. 1 John chapter 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. But by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. And this is the love of God. We keep His commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. What is the commandment now in the New Testament that overrides all? It's love. It's walking in love. It's walking in love. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that over, has overcome the world, our faith. I only Listen, I only know victory. I only know overcoming. I only know increase. I only know abundance because Jesus said I came to give abundant life. What are you saying, Pastor Jeff? Are you in denial? No. I live in all the contrasts you do. In order to be an overcomer, you have to have things to overcome. In order to have victory, you have to have battles that you've won. In order to have increase, that implies that we came out of a barren place. I believe that a Valley of dry bones can live. I believe the desert can blossom like a rose. I can believe a broken heart can be restored and go forward in greater fruitfulness than they ever knew. I believe in the perils of war and earthquakes and famine and pestilence and craziness that Jesus will prevail because his name is Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, not against us. He is here. Everybody say, he is here. He is here. Hey, Jesus showed up 2,000 years ago as the cradled son. Mary and Joseph came in on the scene. Jesus, which I find fascinating you study history and you see some of the, the structures and the palaces and the, the art that was associated with some of the different uh, civilizations. Take, for example, Egypt and, and some of the Howard Carter back in the 20s, they found one of the tombs that hadn't been pillaged by the, the looters. And, and it was like of a lesser pharaoh, uh, King Tut, and it was absolutely fabulous, gold and beautiful and ornate and carved woods and beautiful fabrics and so forth. Why would God be 
be born in a manger with a, in a context of such hostility that the king is so insecure they order the death of the Hebrew children. And he comes in on the scene making point after point after point. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He's a rescuer that came to seek and save that which is lost. 1 John 3.8 says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he would destroy. He was on a search and destroy mission to literally destroy the work of the evil one, to break the darkness off of our lives, to provide a moment of authenticity so we could respond unpretentiously and actually walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Let this get in your spirit. Let this resonate in you. It's no longer I that lives, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, but it's Christ who lives within me. In addition to he is here and some sort of historical moment in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago in that literal place, also realize he is an ever-present help in the time of need, and I'm telling you, where's God? He is here. He's with you in trouble. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He loves you with an everlasting love. The good news is that Jesus can and does change things in a moment. I'm a big believer in this. When the devil tries to ridicule me, I realize probably some of the stuff that I'm doing while I'm tired that doesn't have a lot of magnificent reinforcement to it just might, just might be greater than I realize. We walk by faith and not by sight. We trust that God has promises that he will more than adequately follow through on. And we do, the fight of faith is we take the hold of this and we say, I'm not going to go with the, the, the leaven of the Sadducees and just get in rationalism and rationalize my way through life and just kind of therefore be diminished. I'm going to believe God for the big prize of what he's called me to. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Fix my eyes on Jesus. Concentrate on this for a minute. He's with us. Nicodemus came out at night, asked Jesus, I could tell you're from God because of these miracles. He said, you must be born again. He said, how can a man be born again? Jesus put that man in touch with the new birth, the most wonderful, phenomenal gift potential that's ever rested upon humanity. And it's just a prayer away. I'm telling you, Jesus is Lord and he came to save us. Number two, it's made clear. It's made clear. Came upon a midnight clear. I love these songs. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. I, I really do get into these songs. I love them because of the substance of them. God is so good. It's a clear thing too. It's crystal clear. In such a murky world. Let the truth of Jesus shine and push away all lesser sentiments, all that's trying to encroach. Jesus is Lord and he cares about you. It says in John 1, 4, that verse 9 rather, it says, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Jesus is the light. He's the life. In John 1.4, it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Hey, you're a carrier of the presence of God. He's here. He's with us. 
And let's be clear about it. When Jesus came in on the scene, when we read out of Isaiah the prophet, bear this in mind, Jesus fulfilled every prophecy concerning the Messiah coming to the world. I recently heard a rapper who was raised not as an observant Jewish person, but he became very committed in the ultra-Orthodox Jewish movement. And as I listened to his verbiage, one of his raps was he's longing for the Messiah. I I just felt such a heart for this young man. And I thought, this guy's a seeker. And I know for sure if you seek, you shall find. I know Jesus to be the Messiah. Let's make it clear. Jesus is the Lord. He is fully God and fully man. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Let this embolden you, you guys. He's here. Not just in semantics and religious history. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. That's why this is super powerful. That's why this isn't just like routine, like, well, we go to church on Sunday because we're not atheists, so this is what we do. We do this weekend thing. No, none of us signed up for that. We're not hobbyists. We're in this thing for the long haul, and we're in this thing because God's calling us, and we're saying, here am I, Lord. Use me. Send me. Number three, you are dear. You are of great value. You have been bought with a price, the Bible says, Therefore, glorify God in your body. We're to live as those who are alive from the dead. Listen, I've actually been alive from the dead a number of times. Literally. Some of you are as well. Thank God. Thank God. I hate death. It's an enemy. How could you hate death, Pastor Jeff? Isn't it the final escape? No, it's the enemy. It's a final enemy. We're all about life. Pastor Jim, when he had pneumonia, he said, I'm going to live to be 110. And they got out of the hospital, had a real rough pneumonia, and he came in. He almost ran over me with his walker. I'm telling you, almost busted. I already have problems with my shins anyway. Can I just tell you something of human value? The value of something is determined by the price someone is willing to pay for it. When the CEO of Guitar Center stepped up and paid a million dollars for Eric Clapton's, uh, what was it, Blackie, the, the Stratocaster guitar he played Layla and recorded Layla on. He elevated the value of Leo Fender's little electric guitar from the original like 250 bucks, it was in the late 50s, early 60s, to a million dollars. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he said, you're not just a fetus, you're not just an accident, you're not just a mistake, you're not just some sort of bit of protoplasm floating through life. My son just paid for you. That means that's what your value is. You're dear to him. You're dear. You're of great value. Jesus talks about the church and the kingdom as the pearl of great price. We, you trade. It's like Get rid of everything else just for this. Paul even said, all this other stuff is nothing compared to the excellency of knowing Jesus. And listen, when you understand this, it'll help you with the haters. This will help you with enemies. You'll look at, at things differently. This is someone for whom Christ died. That's why Jesus looked at people and said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. 
This is radical. This is amazing. This is the miracle of Christianity. This is the opposite of hate. This is love. This, it, God so loved the world that he, that he paid for it with Jesus himself. Yeah. Number four, therefore, you don't need to fear. When you understand how loved you are by God, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. I realize the devil's attacking some of you right now in this area of your worth. So you got to go back to the word of God, not even to how you feel or how you felt in the past. Your fight of faith involves going back to the prom practical promises of the word of God as your resources, saying this is what the word of God says, and my emotions, my interpretation, my perception, my stage or station in life right now is not the final say. The final say is what finalizes it here, the written word of God, the express will of God, and if God says it, that settles it. Somebody said, a Baptist said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. No. God said it, that settles it. But if we step in and believe it, we get it settled in our hearts. Come on. You don't need me to elaborate on number four because I preached on it so much, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Sure, when you put your sails up in previously uncharted waters, it's freaky. Sure, you've never passed this way before. But make yourselves understand the God you serve is here. You are dear. You understand this and that perfect love casts out fear. Look at last, the last point, five, five. Therefore, you can draw near. Write these verses down for later. Hebrews 4, 7, 16, 4, 16, which the Bible says that we're to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace in order to receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews 7.19 will jazz your brain. It says, there is the bringing in of a better hope. A better hope through which we draw near to God. Hey, it's okay to hope. Sad you see rationalism leaven will crowd out our hopes. We've got to go, wait a minute. And I pray you get real practical with your faith. I pray this is so powerful in you that it's just, it resides in you as the foremost, clear, solid, purposeful awareness you have. Who God is. Who you are because of him. What you can do when you pray. As feeble as you feel. As feeble as you feel. You say, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray based on these promises, this. And when we pray, we believe, we receive. Early in my life, I felt, you know, I was raised in California. It was a melting pot. It was on the Pacific Rim. I live right next to Mexico. I enjoyed a lot of harmony with a lot of ethnicities. When I came to St. Louis, it was a bit more segregated. And I thought, man, I... Based on what I interpret of the scriptures, people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every dialect will be gathered around the throne of God. And I just felt like somehow part of what we as Christians are wired to do is, pre is believe this so adamantly that it actually, while we're alive on earth, has some measure of impact in this horizontal societal application. I don't believe that we rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic, but I also don't believe we should back off of our post 
Weren't they playing hymns on the, on the Titanic? Weren't they at the last moment elegantly presenting hope in the midst of loss? Wasn't that different from rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic? It certainly was. It was actually bringing a wave of praise and worship on that surface of that moment so people could have an opportunity to connect with God and get on track with the Lord. That's deep stuff. You can draw near. Let us draw near with confidence, with certainty. Lay aside the leaven of the Sadducees now. Bury it. Kill it off. Get it out of the bread. Little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Let's get back over into this unleavened, even with communion, you notice we serve, we serve unleavened bread just to try to be current with what we think with the word of God concerning that. But there's so much about this. Everybody say, he is here. It is made clear. Look at somebody next to you and say, you are dear. That's a little creepy, isn't it? And then it now it says, you don't need to fear. Look at somebody and say, you don't need to fear. And then lastly, we can draw near. We draw near to God with great expectation. We've got to get our sails back up, you guys, no matter what's happened to us in our lives. Because I'm certain things have happened. Some good and some not so good. Some as a result of our failure, some as a result of our faith. Some as a consequence just of the, of the topsy-turvy nature of a fallen world. However, with that, she shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. God among us. Us doing life together in love provides a pattern for the world. By this shall all men, not some, but all men know that you are my disciples. That you have love for one another. We busted out of our comfort zone. That's a big part of my responsibility as a battering ram pastor is to get out there in faith, equip you for what you're called to do. You're in fact called to the work of the ministry. You're called to full-time ministry of reconciliation, thinking, praying, hoping, drawing near, trusting God, believing Him for His purposes to come to pass. Don't be overwhelmed by the unbelief. Just stay full of faith. Spend time in the Word every day. Start the new year reading the Bible a few minutes a day. Stay with it every morning. Read some devotional material. Read a Christian biography every month or something. Endeavor to share the gospel with somebody. Boy Scouts, hey, do a good deed daily. I say as Christians, at least we ought to do that. We're created in Christ for good works. In your individual lives, you shine. As a church body, we're a city set on a hill. We cannot be hidden. And a light is not to be put in a bushel basket under a bed. We're raising up the sails. What's that sound? The pulleys on the top of the mast. The tugging of the rope. The unfurling of your sails. What are we drawing near with? Confidence to the throne of grace. What's blowing? The winds of the Holy Spirit. Not of uncertainty. Not of the winds of doctrine. We're not taking on any of those winds. We're drawing from the fresh, beautiful air from God, and we're believing he's going to motor us into the next level. Let's pray together. Let's finish with prayer. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to you. We ask you for mercy and forgiveness and your favor to pour upon us, our households, our home, our loved ones. 
We receive Jesus as Lord and King and acknowledge Him as such. We value Him as the very essence of the best that there ever has been or ever will be. Jesus, the most wonderful person ever. I pray you for healing of relationships and healing of minds and bodies. I pray, God, there would be such a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in our church that you would help us to flow with you. You'd help us to really live this thing out as we go out in our lives. Those of us who have been so bombarded, help us to fall back in love with our first love. Help us not to recoil because we've had so much pain associated with our Christian lives that we just measure our our commitments. Help us to press back into the best you have for us this year. I just want you to finish by praying for the people around you. Just turn around and just ask God to bless them, God to use them, God to strengthen them. Just for a moment, I want you just to pray. Just say, hey, I want to pray for you. I'm believing God. We've got each person standing in the particular situation they're in. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Penetrate these situations. Turn things around. Brighten everybody's moment. See people through. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.